0: I want you to take your Bibles or your apps and turn with me today to Isaiah chapter 55. Now, if you're not familiar with where Isaiah is located in the Bible, here's what I would encourage you to do. If you're in a physical Bible, uh, just open up to the, the very middle, like just split the the Bible in half, and you're either going to, you're going to end up somewhere within Psalms uh, or a few minor books that are in between Psalms and Isaiah. So uh, if you're not in one of those books, uh, go one way or the other, but it should be Psalms and then a few little books, uh, and four books later will be Isaiah. Both Psalms and Isaiah are very large books, uh, so you will have no trouble finding one of those two. So if you land in Psalms, uh, just go four books more uh, and you'll end up in Isaiah. So Isaiah chapter 55. Now, if you're in an app, simply pull down the list of the books of the Bible, and you'll find that Isaiah is around a third of the way down the list of books of the Bible. Now I'm very excited because today we're beginning a brand new series called Church and Culture. Um, and in this series, over the next couple of months, we're going to be looking at what the Bible says about living as a follower of Jesus in a culture that's not really fond of followers of Jesus. Uh, And we're gonna do this through a combination of looking at what the Bible instructs us, you know, the the commands and instructions that the Bible gives, and we'll also pair that with looking at examples of godly people who lived in cultures that were not God-honoring cultures, And, and look at what they did and how they went through that particular culture. Because, I mean, let's face it, our society is moving further and further away from being a society that uh, values uh, the church and Christianity. Um, And and quite frankly, that can be scary. As we lose, uh, as the church and Christian influence decreases, uh, we kind of feel like uh, we're losing ground. We may feel like we're being attacked. And, and you know, I hear uh, on a very regular basis, multiple times per week, I hear from you and others in our church who express and tell me that they are concerned about the direction that our country and our society is going. Uh, but before I go any further, the, I don't want this to be doom and gloom. I do wanna focus on one particular aspect and we'll be following this aspect all through this series. Things may not go the way we want or things may look scary. But the fact of the matter is, is no matter what things are happening or, or what things <clears throat> look like are go- they're going, we always have God. We always have our salvation In Jesus. No matter how bad things get, we can always be rest assured and be thankful that we have our Lord and our Savior. You know, we need to take a deep look into what God's Word instructs us about living as followers of Jesus, no matter what the society or what the situation may be in our lives or in the world around us. And so, as uh, the first message in this new series, The Church and Culture, uh, I wanna lay a little bit of a foundation for where we're gonna be going over the next coming weeks. And I, in order to do that, I wanna answer a couple of questions. And so just uh, lay this out on the line right now. This message may be a little different from one of my normal messages. It's gonna be structured a little different. There are gonna be two parts. We're gonna look uh, at two questions and answer those two questions to build the foundation that we need Uh, in order to move forward with this series. And those two questions are this. The first question is, how bad is our society compared to the societies uh, of the people who wrote the Bible? Uh, You know, what what does our society look like compared to the society uh, that Moses uh, was surrounded by or that Daniel lived through or, you know, that Peter, Paul, and the other apostles lived through? So, I do want to take a look at these societies uh, this morning and, and understand what they look like compared to our current society. So, that's the first question we're going to look at. The second question is I want to determine how to live as a follower of Jesus based off of what God's word actually says. Uh, And so we're going to talk about those two things. So let's dive right in. The first question is this, how bad is our society compared to those of the writers of the Bible? Uh, So let's just think about this for a second. Throughout the Bible, there's only a handful of societies and governments that the people of God were around or were exposed to or, or interacted with. So, so if you go back into the book of Genesis, most of the governments then were self-contained city governments. And so you know we, we look at the lives of several of the uh, families that uh, interact with societies throughout the book of G- uh, Genesis. But then as we get to the end of the book of Genesis, we get focused in on the life of Joseph. And Joseph went and had to work with and live in uh, the Egyptian society. Uh, so the first big government or, or organized society that we see in the Bible is the Egyptians. Um, and then they get set free by God from the Egyptians and they move into the promised land. You can read that about that whole thing in the first five books of the Old Testament. And when they settle in, uh, they're surrounded by other societies, but they build their own government. The the nation of Israel establishes itself. And while they do interact and and see some of the governments that are around them, they are established as a theocracy, a, a government that's ruled by God and by God's rules. And so the Israelites have their own government for a very long time, but then there comes a point where a foreign co- uh, government comes in and they conquer half of Israel. This government is the Assyrian government. They come in, they conquer the northern uh, part of Israel. They they exile the people, and then uh, a little bit later, the southern part of Israel is invaded by the Babylonian government, the Babylonian empire, and same thing happens. They're exiled and removed from the land, Um, and then the Assyrian and Babylonian governments uh, end up getting conquered by the Persians. And so while the Israelite people are exiled from the Israelite nation, the Persian government ends up taking control from the Babylonians. And then Fast forward, they come back to their nation, uh, establish the nation of Israel, but they are invaded just a a little bit before Jesus comes onto the scene. They're invaded by the Roman government and the Roman government uh, maintains control uh, over that part of the world all the way through the New Testament. And so those are the governments that we see interacting with throughout the Bible. Um, and, And if we think we've got it bad, Take a look at these governments that I've mentioned. The Egyptians, for example. Uh, Joseph was a follower of God and worked in and out through the the nation of Egypt. And the Egyptians basically enslaved anybody that they didn't like. They would invade them and enslave them, take them over, make them pay outrageous taxes and fees to them. Uh, Not exactly a good... government to be under, not to mention they worshiped multiple gods, hundreds of different gods and semi-gods, demigods, and so even their society and their religious beliefs were very counter, were very opposed to God-honoring God-followers. And then you fast forward to the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Persians. You know, these are people that would go in and invade as they began to expand their empire. And when they invaded and conquered, they would exile the people. In other words, if they were to invade your country and you survived the invasion, you were shipped off to another part of their empire so that you couldn't gather your people together and bring up an uprising. And so they would remove you, and then you were forced to learn their culture and religion. Now, they didn't force you to follow their religion, but you did have to learn about it, and you did have to interact with it and deal with the people outside of that. And the Babylonian, Assyrian, and Persian religious beliefs and culture were very opposed to the values of those who followed God. And so there were these, these aspects that the Israelites were having to deal with. And then of course, fast forward into the New Testament where we've got Jesus and the apostles and Paul and uh, all of those that wrote the New Testament, we see that the society that they are in, the Roman society is one of the most depraved societies in all of history. I mean, we think we've got things bad with the direction uh, that the that our culture is going and the the moral direction that we see in God's word and how our society seems to be going further and further away from that, it's not good. But the Roman culture and society was way worse than ours ever was. You know, we look at issues like sexuality and human trafficking, uh, government corruption and persecution of Christians and and so many more issues, the Roman government was a 100 times worse than our current government and society ever is right now. Their government was so corrupt and they had wild differing ideas on sexuality and morals and all of those things than we as followers of Jesus have. And so they were all worse. If you look at the people in God's word and the governments that they dealt with outside of the Israelite government, and let's be honest, even the Israelite government had its corruption and its evils. But if you look at the governments and the societies that the people in the Bible, the writers of the Bible had to work with, their societies were all much, much worse than our current society is. So if you think our society is bad today and you think it's the worst uh, that, that, that it could get, you would probably be sorely mistaken. The societies of these ancient peoples were were way worse, were much worse. You would be shocked at, at what they believed and what they taught and what they imposed and what they did. And so let's be... But let's again be honest about this. We should be encouraged by this fact. You see, if Daniel and Joseph, if Paul and and Peter and Jesus and the apostles could be good followers of God, they could be godly, righteous people because of the power that they have through the salvation of Jesus Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit. If they can be God followers in those terrible societies, then we should be encouraged Encouraged by the fact that Jesus can do that for us as well. There is hope for the follower of Jesus in today's society. We can do this through the power of the gospel of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. We can because we know from history that others did it as well. So that brings me to the second question that I want to look at. And this is where I really want to dig into God's word in Isaiah 55. We'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, but, But the second question is this, how do we determine how to live and follow Jesus in a society that is not fond of the followers of Jesus? So in other words, how do we determine how to live? in our society, how, by what standard, by what teachings, by, by, by whose authority do we determine how to live? And this is where I'm going to make a very strong statement. But before I make that statement, I think most of you uh, who are Jesus followers, you're gonna hear this statement and you're gonna say, yes, I 100% agree with you, Pastor Chad. That I, I, I Say it again, amen. You're gonna, you're gonna celebrate this statement. But I truly believe that you will find that it's more difficult to apply this statement to your life when it comes to some of the opinions and stances that you may have about our society. I think when you hear this statement, you're going to be in agreement, but you're gonna find it difficult to apply this statement in certain situations. And so here's the statement, It's also my big idea for the week. And if you're new to listening to my messages, you're gonna find that most of the time I give what I call a big idea. It's a single statement that kind of summarizes the main point of that week's message. And today's big idea is this. God's word always trumps our opinions. Let me say that again. God's word always trumps our opinions. Our opinions. You see, you don't bend God's word to your life. You bend your life to God's word. When we take our opinions or our viewpoints and we place more value on those opinions and viewpoints than we place uh, value on God's word, then those values, those opinions, those viewpoints have suddenly become idols in our lives. You see, if our opinions disagree with God's word, it's not God's word that's wrong, it's our opinions. So God's word always trumps our opinions. And again, I think most of you are listening right now and you're thinking, yes, of course, I agree with that statement. But my question to you today is this, and and it's something that it's foundational because I want you to think about this statement throughout this next series over the next coming weeks. Of course, we agree that God's word trumps our opinions, but will you be willing to apply that belief that God's word is more valuable? Will you be willing to apply that belief when it confronts some of your strongly held opinions. You see, here's the thing. God's word confronts and pushes against many of the things that we we believe, the opinions we have, the viewpoints that we stand strong in. It, It confronts those beliefs. And you've got to be willing to say, okay, God's word disagrees with what my opinion is and I need to now make a decision whether I'm gonna to hold to that opinion that disagrees with God's word or I'm going to allow God's word to destroy that opinion and God's word to take control. That's some of the things that we're gonna be very looking at and it's going to be very difficult. So where am I getting this? Again, it's a strong statement and it's a strong challenge because many of you may be thinking, well, all of my opinions do align with God's word. That may be true and it may not be true. My, my push is if it's not true, if some of your opinions do not agree with God's word, are you willing to let God's word change you and change those opinions? because here's what Isaiah 55 says. Turn with me in the, in the chapter, Isaiah 55, that I had you turn to at the very beginning uh, of the message today. Isaiah 55, starting in verse eight. Uh, let's see what it says here. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is God speaking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. I want you to think about this passage for a second. You see, this passage was a prophecy given to Isaiah. He wrote it down, and that prophecy was to a people that would come down the road, the Israelite people, uh, a couple hundred years after Isaiah lived, and these people would be the exiles that I mentioned earlier. These would be the people that had been invaded by a foreign country and then removed from the nation of Israel, and be forced to live in a society under a government that does not honor God at all. And their religion is opposed to the the godly religion of the Bible. So this passage is written to people who are not living in a society that likes God, that follows God. And so, We feel sometimes like we're in a culture like that, like we're in a culture that does not like Jesus or the followers of Jesus. And this passage confronts the people who are in this type of society, so it should confront us as well. You see, God's thoughts, his plans are not our thoughts and plans. They're greater You see, God is all-powerful and all-knowing and all-wise and all-present. God knows everything. He does everything and he is everywhere all at the same time. God knows infinitely more about this world and about each and every one of our lives. God knows where he's taking the timeline, the, the direction of the world. And he knows what his plan and what his purpose is for the world. And his plan will come to fruition. It will come to completion the way he planned it. This should be good news for us. It is good news that God's plans, God's thoughts, God's purposes are greater than our own and that he knows more than we do and that everything is in his hands. This is good news to us, but here's the challenging part. If God and his thoughts and his plans, his knowledge, if God and all those things, his characteristics, if he is greater than we are, if his thoughts and plans are higher and greater than our thoughts and plans, then that means sometimes our thoughts and plans may not align with his. And when they're not in alignment, our thoughts and plans, our opinions, our viewpoints must come in alignment with his. In other words, his plans are not what changes. Our plans, our opinions are what are called to change in order to be in line with his. And so will you be willing to be confronted by God's word through this series? Will you be willing to let the hope of what God is doing in the world and in his sovereignty, will you be willing to find hope in that? Will you be willing to be challenged to reevaluate the way you think, the way you think about yourself, the world, and what God's call is in your life. Again, like I said, this is a little bit of a different message than I normally give. This is laying the foundation for where we're going in this new series, The Church and the Culture. And again, I'm very, very excited with where we're going and what's gonna happen with this series, but I wanna make sure that we have a foundation in what God says right here. When God says it, It's truth. Even if we disagree, even if we don't understand, even if we struggle with what he says, this is truth. This is the standard. This is the foundation. And we build our opinions, our lives, and everything around this. So my prayer for all of us in the next coming weeks is that we would be molded by God and his word, that through the good news of what Jesus came and did, that Jesus came and died on a cross as the son of God to save us from our sins. And on the third day, he rose from the grave in victory over sin and over death, that that we will find hope in that good news and that it doesn't matter what's going on in the world around us, the truth of this book, of God's word, and the hope, the life-changing hope that can only be found in Jesus, that that is what is our standard for living and leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. And let me just say before I close, maybe you're watching and maybe you've never come to belief in Jesus. Maybe you're not there yet, but maybe... You've got questions. When I was uh, in my college days uh, many years ago, I went through a time where I struggled with some of the questions I had about faith. And I had somebody in my life that answered the difficult questions that I had and walked with me, and I grew and experienced salvation in Jesus, rescuing from my sins through the Son of God. And if that's you, if you don't believe in him, but, but maybe you've got some questions, I want you to reach out to us here's how you can do that. In the post of this video, there's a link to an online or a virtual connect card. That link will take you to our website, to the contact us page. Go over to the contact us page, fill that short form out, and I will reach out to you personally. I would love to answer any questions that you may have about Jesus and believing in him and following him. So please don't hesitate to reach out. But I hope that through this series, that we are all encouraged by the, the salvation that we have in Jesus and what Jesus is calling us to do and how he's calling us to live in the society that we live in, no matter what kind of society that may be. And so, Will you join me in prayer and let's go to God today and let's ask God to mold us and shape us through his word, but also to help us have hope in the salvation of Jesus and knowing that we can't do anything without Jesus himself. So come with me now and let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. I thank you for this new year Uh, and for this new series, The Church and Culture. Lord, I pray that you would guide our minds and our hearts as we navigate what God's word tells us about living uh, for you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be changed by your word, That, that when God's word, when your word speaks to us, even if it says something that we struggle with or we disagree with, I pray, Lord, that we would understand that your word trumps our opinions. Help us to be molded. Help us to be changed by your word. We thank you so much. Lord, I pray also that you would help us to be hopeful, that we would find hope in the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the grave, giving us victory. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us hope through this series and help us to live our lives for you. We pray all of this in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.